And we're back here at the second week edition of the Quarantine Crew. I'm Jake Schmid here with Troy DeSavino, Chris Sakonis, and K.R. Palan. How are you guys doing today? Just just dandy. I'm doing great. Thank you, Schmid, for asking. <laughs> just dandy. I like it. I like <laughs> it. That's, that's the way to be. Same as last week. It's not Nothing changes anymore. K.R., how about you? How have you yeah, been? same here. I've lost ta- track of time, so it's the same all the time. I feel like that's with everybody. You don't know what day it is, what time it is. Yep. Time's an illusion. Sunday was just yesterday. Now it's Thursday. Don't know how that happened, but here we are. I don't know what today is. What's today? Thursday. It's Saturday, Thursday. Thursday. Saturday, Thursday. Something, Something like somewhere that. in between there. Thursday. Okay. Uh-huh, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Well, just on yesterday, Wednesday, the NCAA announced that voluntary on-campus activities can resume in football and basketball starting June 1st. Obviously, we know that a lot of states are slowly reopening. New Jersey uh, has yet to announce if they're going to open uh, non-essential businesses, but they have allowed for stores and not some stores to do retail uh, curb pickups. But um, this is a little bit, I guess, trending in the right direction for the NCAA saying that um, they had a, a moratorium that was set to expire May 31st about um, the ban for uh, campus activities. And now they're revealing their decision to have uh, uh, voluntary campus activities for athletics. Yeah, and I, I guess, I don't know, I find this kind of weird because there's no way that, and you know, we'll talk to Richie Schneiderite from the Night Report later on about this. The weird part about this is even though they say, you know, voluntary activities can resume on June 1st, a lot of teams and you can easily throw Rutgers in there are not going to be able to start at that time. So it's going to be a question of, you know, some teams in the South or in the Midwest might get, you know, two and a half, three months of practice. And, you know, Rutgers could be coming in second half of July and have to rush a six week, potentially if the season starts on time and just, you know, throw something together and it's going to be a very weird situation, especially within the big 10. You know, the news of this comes along with like a, almost a split decision of what's going on with the rest of the country right now. We talked about it a little bit last week, um, but now more and more colleges are coming out and I'm not even talking about athletics because first of all, you know, if there's no college, it's going to be very hard to see any athletics happening. Um, and when I say no college, I mean on campus, obviously, um, but in the past week, a bunch of colleges have actually said they will be open for the fall, um, obviously in a, a different compa- capacity in some way, um, not just the normal standard operating um, status. But a bunch of colleges have already said it, including, I think, Purdue, um, Texas A&M, Notre Dame, uh, and then all the statewide colleges in Arizona, Florida, New Hampshire, um, and even some other states in there as well, coming pretty much just a week after Cal State said um, they won't be open in the fall. And when, again, when I say open, I don't mean literally open. I mean on-campus operations being open. So now it's kind of we're seeing a split divide. And another New Jersey school, Princeton, they're saying it's too soon to call. So, you know, it's starting to trend in the right direction at least. Because, I mean, when we talked last week, there was a bunch of schools who hadn't made any decisions yet. Um, and in the past week, a bunch of schools have actually made the decision to be back on campus. Um, so if things are starting to trend upwards, it seems like, for the possibility that not only will school resume in the fall, but – also possibly athletics. And I think this was a, a big step forward for the NCAA to make this decision. Um, they must be 
making contingency plans with the idea that they're they're thinking that they're going to be playing. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting thing. But one thing I'm looking out for is kind of just how the athletes and the coaches are going to react to this. Um, as you guys mentioned, it's voluntary workouts. So I know in, during quarantine, a bunch of people, um, whether it be athletes or just, uh, you know, regular students or uh, people who want to stay fit, they've made their own routine to kind of, you know, uh, stay on, stay in shape at home, kind of, you know, stay in rhythm um, while these gyms are closed. You know, a lot of people are complaining about how gyms are closed and they'll have to kind of figure their own way out at home. So it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to stick to their, you know, at home routines or will they go to these, um, at, they're kind of putting themselves at risk at going to these collegiate workouts. Again, they're voluntary. So it's going to be interesting to see if they kind of jump right into the opportunity or if they're going to, you know, little by little kind of step into it. But um, as you mentioned, yeah, hopefully things will turn in the right corner and it's not only just about athletics that's slowly going to open up, but hopefully colleges all around the uh, country are going to be opening up facilities you know, little by little. You know, I saw some reports um, about Ohio State making contingency plans about the idea of what capacity their stadium could hold fans. Um, and I, this is going to sound weird, but the idea of smaller attendance for fans in these arenas is actually, I think, a good thing for Rutgers. One, Rutgers is used to not playing with a lot of people <laughs> watching. Um, It'll be a high and, demand, yeah. Yeah, and two, the Big Ten has crazy home field advantages that you have to play in. Um, there's contingency plans about Ohio State operating status for, for their, their stadium, and they're saying at the most they're seeing 50,000 fans. That's, like, that's 50% attendance right there. Um, but more realistically, they're, they're looking somewhere in the twenty to 30,000 people allowed in the stadium, if that's if fans are allowed at all. Um, and Rutgers, during this rebuild process, this would make it a lot more possible to get some sneaky wins on the road, maybe not against Ohio State, but maybe against some other teams. Um, you know, I mean, I have to look exactly at the road schedule. I'm trying to remember where they played on the road this year and see, try to figure it out for next year. But there's, there's a few games in there that you take away that home field advantage, Rutgers could possibly kind of sneak in there a little bit just because there's not 100,000 Big Ten fans yelling at Rutgers, a team that they don't believe belongs with them. So it could be interesting to see how that plays out for Rutgers and if it actually could help them win a couple games. Yeah, and the other thing about that is, you know, it creates the interesting question of, you know, I think Ohio State's is something like 22,000 fans and like 110,000 seat stadium yeah. so that's like 20 percent capacity so for Rutgers that would be like no more than 10 11,000 seats yeah. the other question and putting aside home field advantage which I think is a really good point I mean Chris Ash had social distancing <laughs> down to a science stadium in the last couple of years he was just a year um, early uh, he was ahead of his time Troy. Yeah, he was. He but um yeah exactly but putting that aside I mean the question goes if you only have 11,000 seats where you could responsibly get people in the stadium to who gets those seats? I mean, they would have to be, I mean, normal student allocation at SHI stadium, I think is like 8,000 or so. So you'd have to think that unless they're too driven by money and I'm not even just talking Rutgers, I'm talking in general, if they're not too driven by money that most of those seats would go to the students. You would well, think. how many season ticket holders are there? Uh, way more than 11,000. How many, so, how many do you think there are realistically? I think the numbers for Rutgers was something around like 20 something thousand, 20, 25,000. I would think that those season ticket holders would have to have priority over anyone else. I mean, the students, obviously they could set aside tickets for them, 
Um, I don't think crazy amounts of tickets. I think next year will be tough to get a student ticket, to be honest. Um, but I think what they would have to do, to be fair to the season ticket holders, I think they would have to split up them into two, a couple groups. I think they would have to take priority for the for the the majority of those tickets. You know, I think you split them up into group A, group B. They get half the games group A, half the games group B get. So what would they even be? Like three games each? Um, and I think they would have to take priority, and I think that could work. But it's I think it's going to be tough for a normal person, a non-season ticket holder, to get a ticket next year, to be honest. I think it's going to be really tough. Yeah, last year the numbers were around uh, what I'm seeing at, before the season started. It was about 17,000. But I'm certain that this year it's going to be a lot more if they do open up. Uh, but, yeah, like you mentioned, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be targeted first, whether it be students or, or the season ticket holders. But I, in my opinion, I still feel like rather than having just, you know, a s- small amount of fans, I would just honestly keep it either no fans or, or just kind of see how everything operates in an empty stadium because it's going to be weird if half the stadiums or half the schools allow, let's say, 10,000 or 11,000 um fans in the stadium while some don't allow any at all how do you kind of balance that out and and kind of see what's the right move or what's the ethical thing to do in that situation it's a good question i don't really know i don't really know like like what happens if if ohio state says we're not going to allow any fans in, and then michigan says we're gonna have a full yeah exactly of 110,000 people i don't think that's very fair because because one school is being more you know responsible than the other I mean, I, I don't see how big of an advantage 10,000 fans in a 50,000-seat stadium really poses. Like it's, like, it's one thing if, say, like you said, Michigan were packing the big house and Ohio Stadium was completely empty. But I don't think that's going to happen in any state, regardless of how you know, lenient they get in terms of letting fans in stadiums. But I don't know. I, I, I could Maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of have a real problem with prioritizing – only season ticket holders and students getting little or no tickets because they're student athletes in my view. And it's a college football team. It's for the college. It's for ideally you'd think for the students. I know they'd lose money by not having, you know, every season ticket holder at every game, but you know, they're going to lose money regardless. And it's not like KR said 17,000 or whatever, however many season ticket holders there are, that's not enough even if you said only season ticket holders. So, I mean, Chris, it, I, know, I know it's a difficult situation, but to say that the students would get the short end of the stick, I don't think it's well, right. Chris, you know what? I think we, we have this view and I, I, I would hope you're right. I think we have this view is because we go to Rutgers. You go, my friend who goes to Ohio state, I got friends who go to, you know, a lot of big football schools. A lot of the times the students can't get tickets. That's just that's just the reality. They have to enter a real lottery system to get tickets to these big games or to any games in general. Um, it's tough to get these tickets, and a lot of those times the, the students have to pay too. So I think it's because we go to Rutgers and we're not used to seeing you know crazy packed stadiums at least for the past few years that we have that view, um, and that might help us in this situation um, for us personally. But I think a lot of those schools, I don't think that they're going to prioritize students. I just because they they haven't prioritized them in the past. Ohio State doesn't set – they said they have a lot of student tickets. But when your stadium holds 100,000, like the proportion of the amount of students that they allow into their stadium compared to the rest of them, it's not that high. It really isn't. Um, again, in our situation for Rutgers, it might help because it's not as of a hot commodity ticket to get. 
but we we're kind of fortunate from from the school we go to that it's we can get a ticket to any game we want um but there's a lot of schools that's not the case and that's an important concept to keep in mind for basketball too with like Rutgers basketball on the rise and like the rack like packed to the gills the the like hall of last season all those seven eight nine sold sold out games I mean it's going to be really interesting if they have to move the basketball timeline or to see maybe see football as like a get, get the standard for football and apply it to basketball well, how unfortunate would that be that Rutgers finally on the rise like and, and ready to compete? And I told you my aspirations um, of, a, of a national championship for next year for that team. Um, but how much would that stink if their, their largest weapon, their biggest weapon of that home court advantage gets taken away from this next year because, because of, the, of capacity rules? Like how annoying would that be? I mean, that would be – awful i mean my hope is by the time we get to at least the later parts of the basketball season like january february when we're playing assuming the season starts on time of course when we're playing big 10 competition that you know the situations improve to the point where you don't necessarily need as stringent capacity restrictions problem is there's not going to be a vaccine though so like i don't i really like i can't see them allowing it go back to full you know full force until there's a plan to, to not allow another massive outbreak happen, you know? I agree. I mean, the most optimistic timelines, and I'm not saying that this is going to happen, most optimistic timelines have, like, a vaccine being in, like, the late stages of testing in, like, September, October. These are the ones that are, like, the furthest along. Yeah. So assuming that those go to plan and those work, it, it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. And Dr. Fauci mentioned this, to have a vaccine – in a decent quantity by like January or February of next year. So if that's the case, then it's not out of the question that by the end of basketball season, we'd hopefully have this thing fully in our rearview mirror. But I mean, it's too early to know part. That's part of the reason why I'm not too against, you know, the idea of just pushing the season for football and to a lesser extent, basketball pushing the season later in the year is the idea that at some point in both seasons you'd be able to have you know more fans or any fans in the stadiums and in the arenas yeah yeah uh, it's a lot of big question marks right now it really is it's just, and it's all speculation we we really have no clue for all we know it, it could be a completely normal season or it could be no season at all you know and that's just kind of how it's been recently it's been back and forth and back and forth it seems like we're making improvements and then Cal State closes all their schools for the fall. And then the next week, all these schools are saying they're open. And it's just – it's bad. it's been back and forth, and no one really has any idea of what, what's actually going to happen. And, and Troy, uh, you mentioned Cal State. Um, I think the two D1 schools I'm, – I'm, maybe I'm missing one of them, but the two D1 schools that are in the Cal State system are Fresno State and San Diego State. Yeah. They both have D1 football teams. And both of their athletic directors say that they are – reasonably optimistic that they'll still be able to play despite the campus being largely closed, yeah. which you know, make of that what you will. It, if that's the prevailing thought process across college football, you'd have to think even if some campuses don't open that they figure out a way to get a season played. Does that make sense to you though? Cause that doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I don't know. I go back, I go back and forth on it. Part of me says the risk is a lot lower when there's only a couple hundred to maybe a thousand at most student athletes on a large campus. I know, but there's a and, lot of colleges you know, that are, that are that, there's a lot of colleges in this country that are as big 
you know, their, their size is the same. Their entire college size is the same as the student body size for the athletics of, of San Diego State. Like, what about all those small colleges? Yeah. What, what are they supposed to do? You know what I mean? No, I agree with you. It's, it's a weird situation. But then, you know, the other thing is, you know, can you really justify bringing the athletes back on campus if you've deemed it not I don't safe? think so. I, I don't. And the only reason I, they're going to justify it is because there's money involved. You're right. You're 100% right about that. But uh, and yet I mean, they're still not getting it's, paid. I can, they're still, they're, like, that's how ridiculous is that? They should, at, at the very least, they should, at, if nothing else, get some sort of, you know, have the ability. And we're seeing some progress being made on this front. Like, say you're Trevor Lawrence, for instance. You know, a lot of sports fans know who you are. You're considered a figure on par with some professional athletes. Why can't Trevor Lawrence be able to, you know, make money off of like a sponsorship? Well, did they start deal? allowing or that or was that in just, just in California? California is like the first state to really, okay. I think, put it into law. But it's, I'm, but it's, I'm talking about across okay, the country so and across. They didn't, that, they yeah, didn't get that part yet then. Okay. So that's just California. So, yeah. um, like it's up, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, it's one thing if the colleges don't want to pay them themselves, which you know I can kind of understand. But to not say you can't make money off of you know your brand when you have a brand as a star college football player or college basketball player, that that just doesn't well, make any you sense. You know why they want to do that? It's because the NCAA really wants to hold a monopoly on all the marketing they they can do for NCAA sports. Like right now, You're they right. don't want the players to have the power of marketing in their hands. Right now in the NBA. Certain guys like LeBron James have probably just as much sway in their own marketing ability because of their image they've created for themselves as the entire NBA is itself. NCAA is afraid of that happening to them, so they're trying to monopolize the entire market for themselves so, so no one else can gain from it, um, which is, I think, I think there's plenty of money to go around in the NCAA right now. Um, I think it's really selfish. Uh, I mean, I don't think anyone disagrees with that, that the NCAA is – a huge business that brings in incredible amount of money. Um, and I think the players deserve a cut of it. And it doesn't even have to be direct pay. But like you said, why, the NCAA shouldn't own a guy's name. They shouldn't own a guy's image. It's, it's their image, you know. And now you're, we're looking at the idea of we're ready to jeopardize the players' well-being to make us more money, to risk them getting sick, not the executives who, who run college football getting sick. And we're still not going to pay them. It's crooked. You're right. It's absolutely – and this, mean, this, this situation just shows how crooked it is. You know, they're willing to risk their players' health and well-being so they can make some money and give nothing to them other than a college education. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're spot on. I, I don't know what they're going to do. I, I really don't. It's, it's such a weird, unprecedented situation that we're in. Like I said, my hope is just that if, you know, the campuses are open in some capacity and we have college athletics in the fall, that at some point down the line, and maybe not until the spring semester, that we're able to have it be a more normal situation. Because let me put it to you this way. Like, say if Rutgers goes on a Cinderella run in basketball and they make the final four, how as bad as, you know, starting the season in a mostly empty rack would be, Imagine if Rutgers is playing like the final four of the national title game and there's like 2000 people there, like put, put aside, you know, concerns about the virus and all that. How weird would that be? It'd be weird. That'd be strange. It'd be really weird. The ultimate are you true? 
it'd be, it'd be very, very strange. And it, I mean, I think the next couple seasons and this past season will go down in history as some of the weirdest times in American sports history, um, without a doubt. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think national championship for sure, though, for Rutgers, regardless of how many fans are going to be there. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm hoping I can be in the building for that. That'd be cool. Be cool. I mean, if nothing else, we have credentials. So if they're playing games, we should be able to That's call true. them. That's true. I'll sneak in if I have to. I will drive. If, if travel is still not allowed, I will drive to California if the game's in California. And I will, or where is it usually? Where is it? Is it in Texas next year? It's in this year. It's going to be in Indiana, Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Maybe not then. Maybe I won't drive out there. I don't have a lot of great experiences in Indiana. I don't really like that state. It's, it's kind of I don't know. I'm not. I, I hope we don't have a lot of Indiana listeners. I don't think we do. Um, I don't think we do. It's kind of a bad state. <laughs> not a huge fan of it. You know my thoughts and opinions about Pennsylvania, um, but I think Indiana is. I think Indiana's worse, to be honest. So you're not a fan of Indiana or Pennsylvania? No, not at all. I, I think Pennsylvania's worse. Mm. I'm not. I'm, I don't know who I'm kidding. Um, just because of the sports teams alone, that doesn't help. But Indiana, the state itself, we were driving for like 300 miles, it seemed like. And we were on a highway and only one lane was open the entire time. And it kept switching which lane was open. So we kept driving from the right lane to the left lane to the middle lane to the left lane to the right. It was just. That sounds like such an Indiana thing to do. Right, right, and Mike, I think I think Mike Pence was the governor at the time, and it kept like I kept seeing these billboards that said like construction under the work of Governor Mike Pence, and I was like, who is this Mike Pence guy? And then a year later, he was our vice president. I was like, oh, that's who that was. <laughs> and I was like, it was I, didn't, idea. I didn't like him at first because he didn't know how to open a road, and then other stuff came out. Um, but yeah, what was I? Talk- what? How did I start talking about Indiana? Oh yeah. College championship game. Um, so we'll see. Maybe I'll go to it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. When we're there, I'll, I'll make the decision when we're there. I mean, I hope you'll enjoy it when I put you on road trips to Indiana, Purdue, and Ooh, Penn State. God. Uh, Penn State, never again. Never again to Penn State. <laughs> the driving is not worth it. I, did I tell you the story about for, for, Penn, for when we went to Penn State, me and Muffin almost drove off a road? Yeah, I've heard. No, you didn't. You, yeah, we, we, were going down a, we were going down a mountain, like a legit mountain. Um, and my GPS told me to get off this road and to get on this side road. I don't know what the heck this GPS was telling me. And I start driving and the road starts to slowly turn from like, you know, the normal like tar or whatever it is into like gravel and then dirt. And then all of a sudden the road just goes up into a hill, like straight up. And I'm not even kidding. Straight up. It just turns into a road, into a hill, into a mountain. And the road was gone. Um, and me and Muffin almost drove into that hill, into that mountain, because the road just disappeared and it was under construction. Um, and then we, uh, yeah, we almost crashed. It was crazy. Then we got to Penn State and it wasn't that much nicer. So, so other than that, Penn State just wasn't fun at I all. Mean, oh, well, we also got caught in a blizzard and we saw like eight cars drive off the road. That was Oh, man. Muffin, Muffin was just like recording them. He wasn't helping anyone as they slid on a sheet of ice. He's an EMT and like he's just watching people slide all around, taking videos <laughs> on his phone. And he kept telling people to drive down the hill, like keep going, keep going, like you can make it, you can make it. Oh, keep and going, they just, keep going. They would just slide down this mountain and like slide up into a sidewalk. It was crazy. It was wild. It was really 
That man is something. It was good. really like we left the Penn State women's basketball game and it was white out. It wasn't supposed to snow. Penn State's weird. I don't know. Yeah, keep me away from that part of the strange country. place. Pittsburgh was nice. I like Pittsburgh, but then just no. Pittsburgh was really. I, I I mean, I had heard good things about it before because I've known people that have gone there. But even I was a bit surprised. Like, especially the area around the University of Pittsburgh when we went there was yeah. really nice. Yeah, it was good, and the hotel we stayed at was was nice. Um, I think the hotel has a lot yeah. to do with how I feel about the the, <laughs> the, the college. To be honest, um, I mean. I mean, it was right after you went to the Bahamas, so like you were like kind of half asleep for most of the trip, if I remember correctly. I don't Troy. remember calling that basketball game. <laughs> like I don't remember the game. <laughs> I was I was. Too I mean, tired. it wasn't Winter's best game. I was though. I was too tired. I remember it wasn't a good game. Um, and I remember no, just walking up a mountain to get there and walking down a mountain to get there, like go back. And I just that the entire trip was a blur, except for eating at Primanti Brothers. Um. But yeah, I drank so much coffee that trip. I had like nine cups that day, and I still wasn't awake. I remember. Yeah, thank God, because we had a six a.m. Yeah. Thank Thank God we did not drive that trip. I think I would have. I would have oh, driven off us off a mountain if I fell asleep. Like, I don't know if I'd be here today if we had to drive that trip. But, I mean, if you drove us off a mountain, neither of us yeah, would be wild here. Wild times of of Rutgers basketball trips. Wild times. Muffin would be running the sports yeah, department right now. No, Muffin. Muffin would be. You're right. Oh, God, that's a scary thought. That is a scary thought. But hopefully, hopefully next year we can, we can you know, go on those crazy trips again where you almost fall asleep and drive off the road. Hopefully. I hope the people from Student Affairs that's aren't listening. <laughs> never thinking again. that they're bad ideas. Yeah, I, I, Although I, I would be down, are. I think, to drive to Ohio State. I think that'd be fun. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, the fun part would be getting the mileage check afterwards. Nice mileage check. Yeah, dibs on driving that one. <laughs> dibs. I called it. Maybe we, maybe I'll buy you lunch one day right. or something, people. Yeah, we'll That's make it even. The lunatic, though. He goes to Ohio State and he drives to a Rutgers once a year to meet me. And I'm like, oh, my God. You like driving a lot. And he just he, he does the nine-hour trip just for fun. Wow. Nice guy. Yeah, I know. I feel bad. Whenever I see him, it was on the WRSU trips and I would fly there. I was like, I'm not driving that. But I'm just a bad friend, I think. You got to reciprocate, Troy. I know. I have to drive out there. I really do. I really got to drive out there. I was hoping – I'm hoping next year for, like, a, a men's basketball game or, like, a women's basketball game, I can just fly out there and just save myself the driving um, and get some Culver's. By the way, side note, I know you all know that I love Culver's and Zaxby's, um, and I just wanted to make the announcement. Yeah. I'm really sad to say this. My, my annual trip to Orlando was canceled. Um obviously for, for the pandemic reasons. And the, the saddest part about that is I had just located a point in Orlando where I could get Zaxby's for lunch and Culver's for dinner. It's the only place in the country that can happen. Um, so the only place that's what this point is. It's the only place the in the country. There's no other place. Cause, cause Culver's is a North is like a Midwest restaurant and Zaxby's is a Southern restaurant. Right. But Orlando is kind of like that melting right. pot. And you can get anything in Orlando. And they're both there. And they're within 15 minutes of each other. And I got robbed of that this year. There's always next year. Hopefully. 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 You know, I'm just, that's why I want the pandemic to end. Forget coming back to college. I want to get to Culver's and Zaxby's in one day. It's a, that's a bucket list item if I've ever heard of one. That really is. I mean, 
maybe uh, Troy, if you know women's basketball season goes, they move the junk new jam to Orlando, and you can fulfill oh, that lifelong awesome. dream. That would be awesome. Forget the Bahamas; I'm not going back there. They did not have Zaxby's. I mean, with the international travel restrictions, neither is the women's basketball team. They're lucky because we we dominated there last year. We absolutely run the other teams off the court. I remember. They were afraid of Rutgers. Um, that was a fun – no, it wasn't a fun trip. No, what am I kidding? That was that was a – The free trip to the Bahamas wasn't a fun trip? Is that what to you're the saying? the Bahamas? Uh, it was – there were some things in there that made it very um, not fun. Seems like this – Oh, my God. Unbelievable. You could play I mean, everything. You, you should have seen some of the stuff that happened to us. It was a uh, – it was it was quite the you you wonder why I was asleep for the entire Pittsburgh trip. I slept in I slept in you got I slept in an airport. Camera. Like I was in I was in Fort Lauderdale Airport for like twenty six hours. I didn't see the I didn't see the sunlight for a day. I saw it through the glass of Fort Lauderdale Airport. That's gotta be some airport. Didn't um Yeah. I mean me and Raj were we had each other. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> you got Raj. Yeah, me and Raj were there, and it, we we kept going. We kept going through different stages of anger. Like Raj would be angry, and I'd be like, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it." And then I would be angry, and Raj would be like, "Chill." And then we'd both be angry, and then one of us. It was just. It was a weird, weird. It was a weird twelve hours of waiting. That's funny. And we couldn't. We couldn't get a hotel room, and it was just not my most fun night. I'll tell you that. Not my most. And and wasn't it? Correct me if I'm wrong. I think Roger's the one that told me this part of the story. Weren't you guys? You guys were sleeping in the terminal or trying to, and every half hour you'd have the automated announcement that would go, "Welcome oh to God. the Fort Lauderdale Airport." The, the, the mayor of Fort Lauderdale had this announcement every single like no, not even it was like every five minutes, and he would like tell you what Fort Lauderdale is known for. By the end of that trip, like I was like, "Wow, Fort Lauderdale is this awesome city. It has so much things." It was like exclusive shopping one of the most diverse places in the world i'm like oh my god shut up i don't care i don't care like i've, I've heard this i heard that announcement probably 600 times in 12 hours and it... first thing i'm going to do when we get back to the station is i'm going to cut up a recording of that announcement and i'm going to throw it into hot ptsd keys. like i will, you, I will freak out you should do that i will freak <laughs> out i will go into like fight mode not a good idea let's not do that <laughs> Let's not do that. But it, it, I think it, um, you know, the people who were on that trip, on that, that supposed plane to get back, we all kind of came together a little bit. Um, me and Raj had made some friends of other students who went to some other schools. Um, one of them went to Villanova. I think one of them went to, I want to say Temple. And there's a, bu- there's a bunch of other like kids our age that we were just talking to and we almost like all flew out together. It was kind of crazy. And we were going to all like rent a car to drive back. Like it was, it was a wild trip. It really was. That was like, there was the Bahamas element of that trip. And then there was the Florida. Like I felt like I took a road trip to Florida not even the Bahamas, but it was, I, I was, I was scared on that trip a couple of times because the plane we flew out of was like this little jet plane with propellers. It was just scary. Like I, I really didn't think I was going to make it back alive to be honest. Oh, God, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It was never again. Never again. Chris, you can do the Bahamas trip this year. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be one. You see, that's the thing is they're probably just going to move it to like Florida you know, or somewhere just, weird like that. Let's just send you to Bimini by yourself. <laughs> see how you like it. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no, I mean, I'm the one that makes those decisions. So I'm not, I'm not going to Bimini anytime soon. Go to Bimini. It'll be, 
no, no. I've had enough solo trips oh my for my predecessors. Solo so. trip to Bimini would just be oh, Chris, you live it up there. Early retirement. There were. I mean, it can't be worse than Mobile, uh, Chris, Alabama. I don't know, man. Like it's. Oh, I don't know. There's some bad stories. Me and Raj could have died on that trip once, just because how sketchy it got. But we're alive. We're alive. We are alive and well to talk about it now. All right. We'll step aside and go to break. Don't go anywhere. You are listening to the WRSU crew on WRSU FM, New Brunswick. Welcome back to the WRSU crew. Chris Akonis and Jake Schmid here with Richie Schneiderite of the Night Report. Richie, thanks for coming on. So the NCAA said that voluntary workouts can resume on campuses starting on June 1st. Could we potentially see Rutgers athletes return to campus in the month of June? Uh, you know, that that's a real tough one. Uh, personally, if you want my personal opinion, I don't think they'll return to Rutgers. Yeah. I think uh, with everything going on, especially New Jersey being a hot zone and everything, I think that it's going to take a little bit longer than that to get student athletes on campus, especially in New Jersey. But uh, one thing that someone actually brought up on the board recently that I thought was an interesting idea is to have a, like a voluntary camp or workouts at, on a different state. Since we're so close to Pennsylvania, we're so close to New York, we're so close to Delaware, Maryland, so et cetera, et cetera. So I thought that would be an interesting idea. And I'm, I'm sure there's probably ways to work around this. But like, like I said, with New Jersey being one of those hot zones, hot spots for the coronavirus, it, I just I can't see it happening for June, for, at least for Rutgers. But I, does it give them a disadvantage? Yes. But at the same time, it's all about safety of the players and the students. And you got to be uh, safe at the end of the day. Kind of switching over to the recruiting aspect uh, this week, the 2021 class, uh, Desmond uh, Igden, Newson, and linebacker Austin Dean uh, committed. Uh, what should Rutgers fans know about that? Um, I guess starting with Desmond. Desmond's an interesting prospect. He actually uh, – we had him rated as a wide receiver, I want to say, as early as two to three weeks ago. And uh, we ended up switching up over to athlete. He's coming in as a hybrid safety linebacker type. I, eventually, he will be a linebacker pretty much. He's kind of like one of those uh, weak baron type guys. He's, he's an interesting prospect. He's very athletic. He's very tall. He's very lengthy, which makes me think why he's probably going to end up at linebacker eventually as soon as he puts on that weight in the strength and conditioning room at Rutgers. Um, yeah, he's, he's just a – He's a really intriguing prospect from Union. He's fast. He's speedy. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see how he'll develop at linebacker because it doesn't seem like he really has a nose for the ball just yet. But obviously stuff like that's kind of very teachable and you can fix that up a little bit. Um, who was the other guy that you said you guys mentioned? Oh, uh, Austin. Austin, Austin I completely forgot. It's been so crazy with recruiting. <laughs> Hard to keep track of all of these names. But uh, yeah, Austin's an intriguing one too. He's um, he's a little more of an unknown. Um, I've I've just gone based off film, obviously, because I can't get down there to Florida to watch him play. But uh, Shiano knows him very well. Shiano coached at Berkeley after Tampa Bay as like a volunteer assistant type, so he knows all those Berkeley prep kids. Anyone that goes through that school, he'll know. He'll probably recruit most likely. Um, he's he's an inside linebacker. He's. He has a couple edge tapes, which, I, I mean, I get it at the high school level. He can get away with that. It's not going to happen at the college level or collegiate level. Um, he, he, it's nothing crazy. He doesn't do anything impressive. Just a very sound, fundamental linebacker. Uh, overall, a decent get, though. Rutgers also got a big addition 
to the quarterback room with Nebraska grad transfer Noah Vidral. How do you see Vidral fitting in with the offense? I think he'll be the starter. I think he'll earn the job. After talking to Gleason last week, you guys probably saw the quotes everywhere. He wants to snap the ball every 15 seconds. Is a pro-style guy like Art going to pull that off? Maybe, you could say. I was I watched Verdal's tape or Verdal's tape a couple times. The best comparison that someone or best analogy that someone gave me is he's the point guard of the offense. He's very fundamentally sound. He's not going to th- throw crazy deep balls. He's not going to do anything insane. Very fundamentally sound. He'll hit the he'll hit the accurate passes and intermediate routes and stuff like that. Um, and then the, the mobility factor. When you have an offensive line that struggles, as Rutgers has in the couple past couple of years. You're going to need a mobile quarterback, and it's going to help the offensive line look a little bit, a little bit better. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really think he's the guy at the end of the day. Kind of switching back to rec- recruiting, uh, Shiano's been uh, on the recruiting trail, and he's been getting a couple recruits every other week. It seems like uh, at this point, who are the big targets for Shiano? Uh, you talking remaining targets? Remaining targets? Yeah, remaining I'd say, targets. Um, Obvious, the, the two major ones in the state would be Geno Vandemark, the offensive lineman out of uh, St. Joe's Montvale, and running back Audric Estime out of St. Joe's. They have a really, really good shot with both of them, especially with Augie Hoffman now on staff as a running backs coach. For those that don't know, Augie Hoffman was the former head coach of St. Joe's Montvale. Uh, they're both very, very, very good players. They're both high four stars. I think we have them both ranked in the top 200, top 180 around that area. Um, so those are the top two guys in state right now. Other guys to watch would be um, offensive slash defensive lineman Ryan Keeler out of uh, <clears throat> Nazareth Academy out in Illinois. He's a very high three-star recruit. He'll probably eventually be a four-star. If it, well, if I had my choice, he'd be a four-star already. But he a uh, very good lineman. He's probably better suited for the offensive side of the ball, but Rutgers likes him on defense. And uh, – trying to think who else elijah fuentes out of cardinal hayes a big defensive tackle that could just stuff the middle a little bit he's one to watch um but yeah but overall they've they've done a heck of a job um I, I gotta give credit to not just Gianno, but coach panagos has been killing it on the recruiting trail lately they're they have i want to say three four defensive linemen already and he's he's had some uh very good ones so far how is Coach Shiano and his staff adjusting their approach on the recruiting trail without the ability to host campus visits and travel with recruits? I kind of mentioned before, they've been doing a lot of virtual visits. You, you guys have probably seen them on social media and stuff like that. But the, the most interesting part about Rutgers versus the, I guess, the rest of the NCAA when it comes to virtual visits, Rutgers has done a three-part virtual visit. So they'll kind of keep your attention for a couple, they'll separate it in between a couple of weeks. So, like, one part will be all about the campus, and one part will be all about the facilities, and one part will be all introductions. And then, like, they'll, they'll, they'll all kind of have a couple separate parts. They'll have um, – so, for example, if you're a wide receiver, <clears throat> you'll talk to wide receivers coach Tyquan Underwood, break down a little bit of film, probably the players' films, sometimes other films. Um, then you'll talk to Sean Gleason, the OC. Then you'll talk to the strength and conditioning coach, and he'll kind of introduce himself and tell, tell you about what he wants – you to do what he, what he thinks you could do and so on and so on stuff like that i just found the biggest thing is is that it, it's so interesting that they broke it down into three giant parts instead of cramming all that information and at one like most schools have been doing recently cliff omarui announcing his commitment to Rutgers in the spring it was a big get for steve peichel 
and his uh, squad. And Amarui talked about feeling the need to be closer to home. Could we see that becoming a trend among New Jersey recruits in the seven, next uh, few in regards classes? to basketball or football? I think you kind of I guess kind of both a little bit in regards to football. Um, I want to say what is it eight nine Jersey kids so far in this uh, fifteen sixteen person class. Um, yeah, so I mean you're going to see that a lot now. I think kids are starting to realize like, hey, I don't have to go too far away, and especially if God forbid, knock on wood, something like this was ever happen again, they they're going to want to be close to home. I think you're, you'll see that a lot more, and you'll see you've seen kids say it. And then uh, regard, in regards to Cliff, if this doesn't happen, if this does, if this didn't happen, would he still go to Rutgers? Yes, but I wouldn't be as confident saying so. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, it's it's definitely an interesting outlook on life, and it gives uh, kids a different perspective now that this has happened. And Sean Gleason, the new offensive coordinator from Oklahoma State, said that he wants to run a really up-tempo offense. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on how the current personnel fits in with that vision. I know people are always going to bring up Maringer. They're always going to bring up Drew Maringer's time here and say, hey, look, he tried doing the, the fast-paced offense. And what was it? Three runs out, three runs out, three three runs out, or two runs of pass out. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think Rutgers – has recruited enough guys because they, they put it like this. The clear thing they want is speed. They want to be as fast as possible and just be faster than their opponent. And I think they've added a couple guys that can do that already. I think you have Bo Melton who could easily fit into a spread-type offense. You have Aaron Krukshank uh, who's going to, I think, fit better than most, if, if not any other transfer at this point. And then, uh, yeah, Noah v- uh, Virgil, v- uh, Vedril. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it yet, but uh, you add him into the mix, and I, I think you're going to add a couple, a little bit more speed there. And uh, you'll see a fast-paced offense, but after talking to Sean Gleason the other day, <clears throat> he knows he can't afford to go three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, or whatever. And uh, I think he understands. He's done it before. He's done it at Oklahoma State. He's done it. I know people don't like to use Princeton as an example because they're an Ivy League, but he put up one of the highest-scoring offenses in Ivy League history, or FCS history, I think it was, or one of the two. But uh, I think they have some of the pieces right now. They're probably missing a couple on the offensive among the offensive line. But uh, like I said before, with Noah Vedral back there, I think you can kind of mask a little bit of their flaws with uh, a mobile mobile quarterback. What kind of packages can we expect to see from defensive coordinator Rob Smith? He's another guy we talked to the other day. Uh, he Chris actually asked him on the uh, conference call, teleconference call, uh, basically. What kind of offense are you going to run? Are you going to four three like you did in the past? You're going to run a three four. Uh, what, what's the kind of the scheme there? And his kind of his answer was pretty much it depends on what the offense is running. But he's open to basically everything. It's going to be a multiple type defense. Um, yeah, he's he's going to have that edge rusher at times. He's going to have that edge rusher go back in coverage at times too, which was a little intriguing, considering how uh, Chris Ash used Kamoko Toure a couple of years ago. Uh, but yeah, I, overall it's, it's going to be an interesting defense. I think he's going to stick with mostly a four, three, but I can't guarantee that without, <laughs> without seeing any string practice. So it's, it's really hard to say at this point. Ultimately, do you see the season starting on time? Cause I, well, put, at the, put it like this. I can't answer that technically because I am in no way qualified to answer that, but I do think there will be a season. Uh, there's been some interesting ideas floated around. One was, uh, Rutgers doesn't play any home games. You just play every game away. And uh, is it going to hurt ticket sales? Yes, but I, I don't know. It's so, it's so tough nowadays 
with this whole coronavirus, it, I think our whole world in for a different sh- uh, whole culture shock, I guess. It's going to be a different world afterwards, even when this whole thing cleans up. Thanks, Richie. That was Richie Schneiderite of The Night Report joining us on The Crew to talk Rutgers football. More to come on the other side of this break. This is The Crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. And we're back on the WRSU crew. Chris Sikonis, Troy DiSavino, Jake Schmid, and Kaor Palan. Second week of our quarantine edition of the crew. And we're going to shift gears now to the NBA and their latest proposal to try and come back. And reports from this one's from Bleacher Report yesterday saying that Disney World is the clear frontrunner for NBA's return. So basically, the plan is. Not necessarily a bubble per se, but the idea is to basically move the playoff teams to Disney. They would test everyone, of course, coming in, and the different teams would be in different hotels since you know Disney's more or less shut down right now, and there isn't anything to do there. So they would essentially each team would be in like a segment of a hotel. They would all train because Dis- Disney has their. Uh, wide world of sports where they have like a million basketball courts and everything. So that wouldn't be an issue. And they would basically play out the whole NBA playoffs at Disney world. And that's basically their plan. And the NBA seems pretty dead set on this. And Adam Silver said next two to four weeks. And he said that a week ago. So it'd probably be less time now before they make a final decision on what the plan is going forward for the NBA playoffs. This is definitely something to see and interesting. I mean, we all, I'm all craving sports. I mean, you can't, you watch the Bundesliga and soccer and on the weekends and stuff, but you want it to happen here. And I know a lot of people are getting anxious about sports coming back. And I know that also, Chris, we've talked about this uh, sometime that the MLS is also looking at Orlando uh, Major League Soccer to move its regular season there. Um, and I, cause Orlando has a lot of training ground and they have a lot of, a lot of hotels there where they could just put teams away from each other. And it, it seems like an ideal scenario for the NBA. And I know that the UFC has also started up and they're like slowly getting back there, but I think Disney would be a good idea for the NBA. Cause there's a lot of different arenas and different parks you can play in and you don't, you don't, you probably won't need fans. I mean, they're not going to bring fans back, but. Disney is also like it's a private property. So it's like the facilities would work with well with the game with players and with administrators. I think it's I think it's awesome, to be honest. I think it's a really cool idea. Um I just think it's kind of like a perfect idea, to be honest. I think they have the facilities to do it. I think Disney is itching to do something as well. They've they've been closed forever. Um it's a powerhouse duo. I think it could work. And honestly, I trust whatever Adam Silver thinks that they want to do. I think the NBA handles these kind of situations the best. Um, not specifically like they've handled a pandemic in the past, but they seem to know what they're doing front office um, wise and handling, you know, scheduling ideas. And they're also very progressive in the ideas of handling, you know, tough situations. Um, and they treat their players, I think, the right way better than most leagues do. And I think they're not going to do anything they seem to be – they think that would be harmful to their own players. 
I think this would be the really the only way I could see this entire season coming back. I, I really can't think of any other places that have the full facilities to handle an NBA kind of season other than Disney World. Uh, so I, I think it could be really cool, and I smell a 30 for 30 coming if this is what happens. In my terms, I saw it as an experiment. Um, there's no guarantee that this will work or this won't work, but you know, there, it's just something that the NBA can do to kind of please the fans, but at the same time, give the athletes, you know, some hope that, hey, not all is over for this year. But at the same time, their plan is to create a bubble. So um, this includes all the athletes uh, and the employees that are going to be working there. So they're all going to be in a bubble. And let's say, God forbid, there is a second outbreak within that bubble. They're probably going to have to take a halt for another couple weeks, let's say at max another month. And now they're all just staying there, but they have access to these facilities, like you mentioned. And it's like, I would say it's the best case scenario for if anything were to go wrong, um, where they can still have some type of progress and some type of step forward to continuing the season. Well, the way that they described it is it's not like a hard quarantine. Like it's not going to be like the players are only going to be in their rooms or in, you know, practice or games. Like theoretically people could come and go, but they're going to be like mainly basically the plan is to regularly test everyone involved. I think they're waiting to, you know, be in a position where they can have access to that level of testing. And the idea basically is you have to make sure that not necessarily that no one ever gets it because if one or two players test positive, as long as, you know, they don't play a game infected and cause a major outbreak, then, you know, that's like, as, as horrible as it sounds, that's sort of like how we're going to be functioning for the next few months. We mm-hmm. saw that with the Bundesliga, several players tested positive and they were just removed. And the teams, the rest of the teams basically just kept going on business as usual. So in that respect, it's going to be a bit weird. I Like Troy said, I have complete confidence that the NBA, provided they have access to the testing they need, will be able to pull this off responsibly. And I'm, I'm interested to see what the format ends up being. Cause I don't know if, is there really a need to do like a full best no, of seven for no, each no series? Way. No, no way. I, I think it has to be around. I don't think so, but I mean, I think it has to be like maybe even best of three. Like I, I can't be best of seven, right? That'd be ridiculous. I mean, the yeah, networks might want I think want the it. networks would take anything right now. I think they oh, would yeah. take anything. Hey, can I tell you what they what I would really love to see? Forget series of seven. You're yeah. telling me all these guys are gonna be living in Disney World. I want a freaking reality yeah, following TV show. This. Russell Russell Westbrook and Damian Lillard are gonna be living in the same freaking community, and it's in Disney World. You know how much beef is gonna be going on there? Like, oh my god, I want a reality show so bad. Oh my god, just to follow like Joel and beat around, like as he talks to all the guys that hate him around the league. Like it'd be so. You think fun. the it'd be so... you think the park facilities would open up for them as well? like like food or like restaurants and stuff like yes and not no. like to full capacity but like they'd, they'd have to have some things open but i think that'd be so funny. i think like, that'd be the best reality if they were to pitch time. in money altogether i think they could have enough money for the the entire facility to operate for at least a day and what is the where's the nba championship team going they're <laughs> already there <laughs> they go they go to they'll just stay, stay we're there. staying in disney or they're going to disneyland maybe in california yeah, we'll go to California yeah. instead. Yeah, that'd be so, how awesome. I would care more, more about a reality TV show than them actually playing basketball, I think. I think that'd be so awesome. <laughs> be so... I'm trying to imagine how awkward that would be if, like, say, like, you know, like, because the super teams are constantly on the move. Like, players are constantly going, like, one team right. to another. 
trying to imagine how awkward it'd be if like on the reality show, like you have like a hidden camera somewhere and it's just James Harden and Russell Westbrook <laughs> end up in an elevator together and it, you just have to deal with the tension with the fact that their dynasty broke up. Well, not really yeah. dynasty, but their team broke up and they never won that. I think it'd be really funny. I think it'd be really funny. Yeah, I know there's be, no shot be, of it ever that'd happening. That'd be interesting. I think it'd be so cool. I would watch that. So, oh my god. I, that would be. I, I would have a hard time ever going back to normal basketball if they did a reality. TV I don't show. know if any of you have yeah. uh, heard of it, but have you guys um, seen or seen clips of um, Shaq's show on uh, TNT? It's called Shaq's Life. So, no, yeah, is it good? I've heard very good yeah, things I've about it, and I've that. I've seen a few clips as well. But it literally follows Shaq in in Shaq's life, being a DJ, being an NBA Hall of Famer, and being a dad. It's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> And this would be so the same good. exact thing, I think, yeah, if should... it were to get recorded at Disney World. This would be the same exact thing that would happen. It'd be awesome. I would love it. Oh, my God. It'd be so funny. You don't even have to have the big guys. You don't even have to have, like, LeBron James or, you know, Steph Curry. Like, just give me some of, like, the, the B-listers or, like, some of the all-stars that just don't get as much respect, like Russell Westbrook. Like, oh, my God. It'd be awesome. Oh, the amount of beef that would be going on with, like, Kyrie and Russ and – Oh my God! And Durant. Oh my God! Forget if Durant's there. Durant, oh my Draymond. gosh! Oh my God! That would be something. God. Keeping up with the NBA. I mean, it would have been even worse if keeping up with. Awesome. It would be even worse if this happened in like the late '80s, early '90s, when everyone in the league had beef. Like, I mean, I, I know you guys. Well, I, Troy, did no, you ever end up watching I, the last dance? Because I know you said last week that you didn't. Ooh. Um, four episodes Me behind. Or did you guys watch the last dance? Don't spoil. I never oh, know what happens. I'm just on the last one. I'm watching it. Tonight. Spoiler alert! Yeah, don't want to spoil really the game like that happened yeah, exactly. 22 years ago. <laughs> spoil me with uh, the shot. <laughs> um, no, no. But what the point I'm trying to make is like everyone in the NBA had beef back then. Like, I mean, Isaiah Thomas and Michael Jordan would literally get into fist fights during games. Oh yeah. Like, imagine that in a quarantine environment oh, in Disney. In World. Disney like, World, that's a show. How funny is that? Like the happiest place. That would on be Earth. funny. Draymond and Durant. Draymond and Durant just going at it in like an elevator <laughs> so or something. Awesome. That would there'd be, be like, funny. Oh, they'd be like, oh god, it'd be so awesome. I want that. It's never gonna happen, but I want it more than anything now. I'd sacrifice my NFL season to see that happen. To be honest. Oh yeah, 100%. I, I seriously would. I think it'd be so funny. I think it would be so funny because you know what? Every NFL season, my Cowboys just disappoint me. I would not be disappointed by that. Just stop being a it's, Cowboys I, fan. You then. know what I mean? I wish it was that easy. I really do. It's it not, is that it's easy. not that I just throw I, away your here. It doesn't work. Can I throw away my name? Can I do that? I don't think so. I'm t- I'm too invested in it. But I'll tell you what would make me happier: uh, keeping up with the NBA. That could be the name too. Keeping really up. Could. That's a good one. It's a good one. I want it. I'm gonna be disappointed with anything less than <laughs> that now. Uh, I mean, if they play their cards right, you could have like two separate revenue streams Seriously. sort of make up for not having fans. One would be the actual it's like, games, and then it's like hard knocks. Like you could have it's like just hard knocks. Yeah, it's just hard knocks. Yeah, just... exactly. Well, no, it's much oh, better than hard God. knocks because it's the entire it's league, awesome. or at least all the playoffs. Honestly, like a, a, something like YouTube should jump on that. It doesn't even have to be like an actual network. I think it's I think it's a money maker. I think it's a money maker that everyone doesn't know they need, but. They 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 need it once they figure it out. I'm trying. This this thought just popped into my head. Like you'd have to think it wouldn't just be the players and the coaches. You'd have like some other sports staff. Like 
you know, ESPN, TNT would have to send some people down there. I'm trying to imagine what would happen if like someone like Kyrie or KD like ends up getting into a beef with Stephen A. Smith, like in the hotel well, lobby or something like let, that. Let me ask. I'm you, just trying to host? imagine. You know, you have the host for The Bachelor. I think Stephen A. Smith is the host. I don't know. I don't know if he's level-headed enough to be the host. Maybe he can't be. Stephen A. Smith is at his best. The NBA live crew. The NBA live crew. Maybe. Maybe um, Ooh, that's a good idea. That's it. Bernie yeah. Bernie Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Charles Barkley. Bernie. Oh, my God. That's a good idea. You have a special special guest, MJ, on there as I, I would, well. Yeah. I would... I don't know if I would put Throwing MJ Dennis in there. Robert. Now we're talking. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Forget that. I, I just watched the five of them go at it for God, God knows how long. I mean, I'm getting that, my own hopes up. I know it's not going to happen. I mean, you should just go to the NBA really and make should. this happen. Really Troy. I know it's not going to happen. You should write you know, a letter to them. I'm so disappointed because I feel like it's going to happen, but I, it's not actually going to. Mm. You should pitch it. Mm. HBO could do it. Oh, no, this so should awesome. be li- streamed live on Disney+. Plus. Come on. They already have their own. Thing. Oh, dang! That's a oh. great idea, actually. That's a good idea. Disney can make that like part of the deal. Like, yeah, you can play at our place, but we get to we get to make a show about it. Hmm. It's a win-win. Hmm. We gotta figure this out. We'll 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 put together a plan and pitch it, Shark Tank style. I don't see any downside to it. Yeah, I mean, the last time I talked to Adam Silver yeah. about it, he seemed pretty open. Good, so good. I think yeah, I can swing. Have they um listed? Have they listed any other places <laughs> other than Disney World? Uh, Las Vegas, they were looking at. I remember that? Mm. I don't know. Do they have enough basketball courts? It all. I, I think they do. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They'd have to expand to get to small parts. I think they can make it work. The reason why Disney is just looking at the so casinos. Nice is because it's literally the facility in itself. Like Disney has it That's all. True. Like they have the hotels, they have the courts, they have the facilities. Like it's all there. Like I feel like if they did it in Vegas, it would right. all be from separate things. You know what I mean? That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Although if they were to play in Las Vegas, it would literally be like my park in the real only... life. I feel like. Yeah. Just make their yeah, own courts. True. That's true. I like what what happens if like they don't get this going for another month and then like the time they finish it's like July and then the NBA season starts up in like three months. They might have to delay that. Well, they're gonna push it back to Christmas, Christmas, they said. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Open on Christmas Day. Basically they would ship What'd you say? I didn't say anything. Oh. oh, I thought you meant that. Yeah, it would just be weird. Like sports are sports are getting kind of crazy now. We have no idea when they're going to start, when they're going to finish, when they're going to resume. I'll just take it at any point. Forget about baseball. We didn't even talk about baseball. That seems like never going to happen. Yeah, we'll get to that in the next little movie. tease. Little tease. I'm being robbed of my baseball though. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. We all are. Yeah, but I'm a Yankee fan. I'm used to my team winning, Chris. There's there's a difference there. Mets are on the rise. On the rise, yes, they are on the rise. Pete Alonso. They're gonna have the best team in baseball, but they're not gonna win a, a World Series. How could they not win a because World the Mets, Series if they Chris. have the best team in baseball? 
We've already won yeah, the World Series I mean, twice. Could have been three. We could have been. They had a very good team in 2015, too. That was awful. Point in case. Look at that starting. Look at that rotation. It doesn't matter. It's the Mets. All the all the winning for baseball in New York goes to one team. Sorry to make you sad about it, Chris. I didn't or inch meet. I know. Wait, are all of you Mets no. fans? I'm Yankees. I'm a. I would okay. say semi Yankees fan. When I watch, I watch the Yankees, okay. but I don't semi. I would say I'm not a Yankee diehard. Let's just say that. Okay, I got you. Okay, that's better. It's, that's good. It's something at least. It's something at least. But I can't really talk too much. My team hasn't won a World Series in a while either. So it's been like it's been like a decade. I and yet I, I got, still talking smack. <laughs> I got so. plenty of reason to talk smack. Cowboys. I, mean, I, I can't really talk. I'm a Cowboys fan, so I'm in the exact same boat. That makes no sense. Cowboys, Yankees, you're like the two America's sports American, team front runners. I, I honestly wish I wasn't a Cowboys fan though. Like I really, I wish I was a Giants fan to be honest. But you know, I can't I was, switch I was, over. I was born into well, we'd the fan base. I was born after Troy Aikman. Like, how am I supposed to just switch? Be a, be hurting the the name. You know, I can't. I wish I could. You know, I went to the I went to the Giants game with Corey last year, and it was a real good time. And you know, it was simple. It was like, oh, we all love Eli Manning. Like, oh, look at this fan base; it's so nice. Um, and they were just without the drama of Jerry Jones. Although there's a lot of drama that comes along with being a Giants fan. Um, yeah, there is. But there's it would be it would just be nice and simple to have a team that's close by, like the Yankees, um, in football. But it's not that simple. Sometimes love hurts, like the Cowboys. Love hurts. All right, we're going to step aside. On the other side of this break, we'll talk about the latest in the MLB negotiations. There's a bit of a pay dispute brewing between the players and the owners, so stay tuned for that. This is the WRSU crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. 